So we, you know, we're going through um, an unusual time right now. Uh, it's been an unusual time since March around Boston, since this uh, pandemic started. And um, I want to give us just some advice from the Word of God on how to make it through this season. You see, because nowhere does the Bible guarantee us that Christians are going to have no problem. There's a gospel out there that says, come to Jesus, and life's going to be rosy from, uh, from now on. Now, you know that's not true, right? And I don't need to say that to you. You already know that that's not true. Trials, Jesus says, in this life, not you might have Jesus, but it is Jesus who said in this life, you will have trouble. No, you might. But what he said, though, after that he said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So trouble comes, but the, 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 the difference is for a Christian, you can actually make it to the other side of an unusual time, stronger than when you went in. And your circumstances and the circumstances of life do not need to overwhelm you. I'm hearing about, uh, it's, it's been widely, widely reported now that um, there's an increase in depression, increase in suicide, increase in alcoholism. Uh, people, and, and let's just be honest, a lot of people were not prepared for a time like this. In the body of Christ, in the church, a lot of people were not prepared especially those who were not uh, uh, solid in the Word of God and in prayer before, they're being shaken. And, you know, and, and they may not have had the strength to withstand the storm that has come our way. And so, but I think that we can, uh, it, who knows how much longer this is going to go for. It may be short, it may be longer. But I want to give us some advice here from the Word of God that will help us not just during this kind of time that we're living in, but even beyond that. These are uh, uh, words that the Bible gives us, uh, I'd, just a set of advices which if we learn and we, and we, we put into practice, is going to make this season a victorious one for us. So I I'm, I'm, so I'm basically want to talk about how to make it victoriously uh, during a challenging time, during a difficult time. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm really going to go from uh, verse 1, and we'll go down all the way to verse 11, and we're going to end, we're going to end at verse 11. So if you would turn there, we have Bibles in the back. Uh, if you need one, don't worry about it. You can get up and go grab one. Okay? And I also, and I say this, by the way, in the first service, I want to say it again. I'm really blessed to see people come to the house of God. I'm really glad to, to see this. You know, there's a, uh, there's a song that we sing um, that says, you know, it's from that psalm, I was glad when they said to me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I have that joy when I come into the house of God. And um, it's a blessing for me to see that you, even in this kind of time that we're living in, 
you are making the time to come to church, and I pray that God uh, would really bless you for doing that. And those watching online as well, uh, God bless you for joining for joining us. So there is uh, in the in the Bible there are. Not everything written there is written for everyone. There are words that are given to the Jews only. There are uh, commands that are given to fathers. There are commands that are given to mothers. There are things that are given to young people. There are things that apply to women. There are things that apply to men. And then there are certain things that apply to everybody, to everyone. And so we're going to see that also in this passage And the first group of people that uh, Peter is writing to in a time when he's trying to prepare the church for a time of difficulty. Uh, The church is already going through a difficult time uh, in in Rome, but he's writing now to the church in Asia. He's trying to prepare them for what's coming and for letting them know that there's persecution, there's difficulty coming. And so the whole letter is really written with that tone. He's writing to a people who are facing a lot of challenges. And so here is how Peter concludes this letter. And the first people that he addresses are leaders, or what he calls here, uh, what is translated here, elders. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flocks, to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the first group of people that um, Peter is speaking to here is a word to leaders, a word to elders. Now, this obviously is referring to elders as people who are officially leaders in the church. And here's the advice that he, that, he, that he gives them. Now, I don't consider myself to be one who is in a position to teach another pastor or to tell pastors or preachers or teachers what to do. Um, but all of us, in one way or another... We are in a position, we're leading someone. Whether it is that you are leading a Bible study or you are leading a ministry, you are leading the, the, the team of ushers, or you're just as at home leading your children, or you are a brother, you have younger siblings, whoever. You may be in a, there's a circle of influence God has drawn around you, and there are people in that circle who are influenced by you. And I want us to look at it that way. And here is what um, uh, uh, Peter is is saying here. When you are leading people, here is what he says. Not because you must, but because you are willing. And not, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it out of the people entrusted to you by being examples to the flock. 
in this time in which we are living in, if there is such a need for leaders who do what? Serve as an example. Peter told the elders, your role is not to lord it over the people. It's not to argue with anyone. Your job is to provide an example. Now, an example of what? An example of following Jesus Christ. You see, he says there that then the chief shepherd, the chief elder, uh, so to say, when he appears, you will receive your reward. We're living in a time right now when I'm hearing it's difficult for pastors out there. If they say we're going to shut down, people are mad at them. If they say we're going to reopen, people are mad at them. If they say let's wear a mask, people are mad at them. If they say let's not wear a mask, people are mad at them. Okay? And I'm hearing that it's been a stressful, it's been a stressful time and, uh, for, for leaders and like I said, I'm not in a position where I, I think to, to teach anything to any pastor out there. But in the off chance that someone who has responsibility over people, in the off chance that you are in a situation where you are leading people, here is my advice from this passage to those who are in a leadership position. Your role is this, is to provide an example. Your job is to provide an example, an example of how to be like Jesus Christ. So I don't need to be the person who can preach the best sermons. I don't need to be the most eloquent speaker. I really think that there's one job that God has given to me. I must follow Jesus Christ. And I must give other people through my life an example of how to follow Jesus. And the way to evaluate your success is this. If a person walks with me for one year, regardless of what they think of my sermons. If a person walks with me for one year, lives in, with me for one year, and follows along my footsteps, at the end of one year... Will they be more Christ-like? Are they going to look just a little bit more like Jesus Christ? If that's happening, I'm being successful. If that's not happening, it does not matter how many people come to hear me talk. It does not matter how many compliments you get. The, you, the, the Bible says here to the elders, you are not to force anything on anyone. You are not to lord it over anyone. That's usually the style in which people like to lead. They lord it over people. You got to do this. And if you don't do that, here are the consequences that will come to you. And so forth and so forth. I know, uh, 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 I know some people who have um, abused their of their leadership. And they use strong arm tactics to keep people under their control. That's not the job that God has called a pastor or an elder or a leader to, uh, to do. It is God who keeps people. Our job is to give an example to people. And I want to say something here is that, um, unfortunately, this is not easy to find. It is rare. And I know in this church there is a godly leadership. Let me tell you something. Everyone that I've known here in the elder, Pastor Steve, everybody in the elder board, they're here with one desire. They don't want anybody's money. They're not trying to take it over your life. 
They really just want to bless you. And I say that not to flatter. I'm saying that because it is true. And unfortunately, that is not always the case. I've been to places where people wanted your money, where people wanted folks to be there and fill up, just fill up their pews and make the pastor look successful. And how you live, how you're resembling Christ, how you're growing in your spiritual life, they do not care one bit. And so when you are in a place like that, you should be grateful and thank God for that. It is a blessing. And I know uh, he may not come here and say that, but that is the truth. If you're in a place where people simply want you to walk with Jesus Christ and grow as a Christian, that is a blessing. And so for those who lead, so whether you are a leader in a church, whether you are in a, in a, just a, in your home leading people, this is, this is the hardest thing. It is provide an example so that when people follow you, they're going to resemble Christ. Focus on that, and you'll do well. And now, that's what Peter says. Um, and, and notice the humility of Peter here. He does, he's, he's addressed them and says, as a fellow elder. He doesn't say, as Pope Peter, I, I'm telling you these things. Or as the, the, the chief apostle here. He said, just, I'm just your fellow elder. The humility, the tone that you have there, it's, a, it, it's very far from the Peter... Um, he's, he's an older man now. It's, it's very far from the Peter that you read about in the, in the Gospels who told Jesus, even if all these guys here abandon you, I'm not. Right? And, 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 he, and he denied Jesus three times, not shortly after that. He, he, he underwent a change. He grew spiritually. The tone that he uses here is very, very different from the other Peter that we read about early um, in, in, the, in the New Testament. And we thank God for that. It's a hope for all of us that all of us can, can grow uh, as time goes on. And now here's the thing. Verse uh, 9, verse 5, rather, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older or your elders. Or your elders. Now, we live in a democracy. Okay? Um, so, and... Naturally, in our minds, a way of thinking exists where I can do whatever I want. I mean, come on, if I get to choose who the president is, who the vice president is, if I get to choose who represents me, I, I, I can do that. We, whether consciously or unconsciously, in a society like ours, we think like that. And one, one concept that is not, that doesn't come to us naturally in the culture in which we live, is the notion of submitting to authority and submitting to leaders. If you're going to make it victoriously during this time, here is an advice. Know the people that God has put over you as leaders. Submit to them. Let me say that again. Know the people God has put over you. God has put a pastor God has put elders, God has put a mayor, he's put a governor, he's put, uh, the, the Bible says you submit to them. There has to be an attitude of submission. Now, some people dislike this. This is anathema to a lot of people. Okay? They like to do whatever they want. They get up in the morning, 
They decide, I'm going to do this, I'm going to move over here, I'm going to do that, and it doesn't matter what anybody says. Okay? Let me say this to you lovingly. That's not just a foolish way to live. And I don't use that carelessly. It's not only a foolish way to live. It's not only an unwise way to live. It's a very dangerous way to live. I know folks who just do whatever they want. They are under no authority whatsoever. They never check with anybody on anything. Their lives are opaque. No one really knows what's going on in their lives. No one has a clear picture of where they are spiritually. They get up in the morning, do whatever they want. And they think, well, I'm being my own man and I make my own decision. It's an unwise and dangerous way to live. And I'll tell you why it's dangerous. Because all of us, everybody, once in a while gets a crazy idea in their, in their head. Okay? In su cabeza. They get a crazy idea. And God has placed people around you to rescue you from your own foolishness which at times you do need to be rescued from. Okay? I was thinking about um, uh, this, this passage in, in Proverbs. My roommates and I were reading Proverbs in the morning. And several times the, 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 uh, it's written there, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of which is death, destruction. And I was thinking about that. I was like, God, if a way leads to death, but it's looking good to me. How could I rescue, how can I escape it? If I, knew it, if I know it's a bad road, and I walk in it, at least I know I'm walking in rebellion. But if a way looks good to me, and the end of it is that, how am I going to be, uh, how can I escape it? I was thinking about that, and this is the answer. When a way seems good to you, by the end of which is death, God in his mercy will provide people around you to tell you, hey brother, that road you're about to walk in will lead you to destruction. Don't go there. Don't walk in it. And I'm hearing now of people um, who are, there because of the pressure, the loneliness, or whatever it is, um, people are, are making decisions that are very foolish. I'm hearing of people who meet somebody online. A couple of months later, they're married. And everybody said, that so it sounds cool. It's probably crazy. And they don't check with anybody. They don't get advice from anyone. They say, I'm not going to be controlled. I'm an adult. I'm my own man. And I was telling Pastor Steve, a uh, couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the pandemic will be gone. The virus will, will go away. Uh, but I think what we're going to have left will be the fallout from bad decisions people made during this season. You're going to be hearing this term. People are going to be saying, I did that. That was a COVID decision I made. There was a, a COVID, I, I was, but you could have been spared from that if you were someone who had developed some accountability in your life. Where you weren't just someone who gets up in the morning, goes and do whatever you want. So 
the advice, the, uh, the, the, the wise advice here is, is this. Submit because there are people who have walked in the Lord longer than you. They know a thing or two about walking with God during difficult times. They might have made mistakes that you are about to make and they may help rescue you from it. Do not be the person who thinks that you can handle it on your own and you don't need to check with anyone. It is a dangerous way to live. Okay? And so, to the, young, to the younger people, to those who are under the leadership, the advice is this. I mean, now, can this be abused? Of course. I've seen people abuse this, this kind of thing. I've seen... People who told people, if you leave my church, you're going to get into an accident. I actually know people who have, who have said things like that. But you don't resolve abuse. I mean, there's no truth in it. The solution is to practice it the right way. And so, now, here's Peter. Now, so he spoke to leaders. He spoke to young people. Now, here is the section that applies to everybody. He says, all of you. That's in verse 5. Now, all of you, those who are old, young, spiritually mature, spiritually immature, those who have been Christians one day, one year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, all of you, what does he say? Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Clothe yourself with humility. In order for God to bless anybody, there has to be humility in it. And there are two ways to arrive at humility. Either we humble ourselves or God will humble us. That's usually not a pleasant process. We have to choose to humble ourselves. Clothe yourself with humility. Now, what does, that, what does that mean? It means in practical terms, you don't carry yourself with a sense of self-importance. You don't believe you're too important to listen to anybody. You don't believe you're too important to uh, learn from someone else. You don't believe you're too, and, and, it, and this one is the hard one. It means that you don't believe you are too important to be offended. You get that? It means that you do not carry yourself as someone who believes you are too important to be offended. If so, while you're walking around, somebody tells you you're ugly. You tell them, thank you, praise the Lord. <laughs> you don't tell them, who are you talking about? Do you know who I am? You know who you're, who you're talking to? And... During this time, I think this is needed more than ever. Something's happening to folks out there. Let me tell you. I was out, on a, I was out in a shopping center. Uh, this was maybe five months ago, right at the beginning of this, where everybody was trying to stock up. And this gentleman, I was parking and... Uh, somewhere trying to, to load things in my car. And then this gentleman who was waiting to park started, um, started yelling some obscenity. You've been taking 10 minutes and using uh, expletives. And at some point, it said, he used Jesus' name as an expletive. 
At that point, I did say to him, hey, don't use God's name in vain like that. And I told him, there's a parking spot right in front right here. Could, could I use? The other day, I'm out on a prayer walk. I reach a crossroad. And uh, I press the button so the walk sign will turn on. This man, and both guys were in luxury SUVs, white ones. <laughs> white SUVs. And, I, and, and he says... And he's unhappy because I pressed the button to, for the walk sign. I don't know, maybe that made his red light a little longer. I have no idea. And he's like, how do, do you bleeping need to press that button for what? And so can't you just cross? I didn't say anything to him because he did not curse the name of God. So I, I walked by, say, hey, God bless you. I, I, walk, I walk by. People are acting crazy during this time. And... More than ever, Christians need to walk in humility. And not only that, there is a lot of pride going around in the way that people carry their convictions. Whatever you believe, whatever your convictions are, your political convictions, your conviction on masks and all these other things, you know what? You can be right, but if you're proud while being right, you're still wrong. Okay? It is not just the convictions that you carry. It is how you carry those convictions. More than ever, this is a time to walk in humility. It's not a time to show off that you're the best person, you know everything, and you, 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 you are, no one ought to offend you and no one ought to cross you. It's a time for all of us to humble ourselves. And here's a promise that comes with this. The Bible says, be, and, and, and listen to this. Let me, before I move on from that, let me say this. She, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Towards one another. I'm to humble myself towards you. You're to humble yourself towards me. We were talking early, uh, in the first service about the interaction between Peter and Cornelius. Here is a, a Jewish fisherman, and here is a military officer from the Roman military, which is occupying the Jewish land. And Peter comes to Cornelius. Cornelius tries to bow down to Peter. Peter says, no, I'm only a man. Don't, don't do that. But it says something about Cornelius that he was willing to do that. He was humbling himself before Peter. And Peter says, no, you know, I, I, don't, 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 wor listen, don't worship me because, you know, I, I'm just a little bit under God. You know, he said, no, I'm just a man, just like you. It was an attitude of mutual uh, submission there of humbling, it, it, of humbling ourselves towards one another. Very important during this time that we're living in. Because here is what the promises that God gives here. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. So when, if the devil is against me, God can help me out to fight him. But if it is God who's opposing me, who can help me at that point? Do you see how dangerous pride is? It is not the devil. We, we blame the devil sometimes for things that he's not guilty of. Sometimes when 
You see God resisting you in everything that you try. God is saying, pushing against you. It's as if what, wherever you try to go, there is a hand working against you. It may not be the devil. It may be God. Because the person is walking in pride. And the goal of God in doing that, it is hopefully so that you would humble yourself. So God will allow circumstances to come around your life. To make sure that you don't walk in pride. That you learn to humble yourself. And here is the promise. He gives grace to the humble. That's such a great promise. He gives grace to the humble. Let me say a couple of things about that. You see. Grace. We all view it as. It is undeserved favor. It is God not giving us. Uh, the, the bed that we deserve. There's more to it than that. Because there is mercy and grace. Mercy is also undeserved favor. And I don't have time to get into all that right now. But you see, in John chapter 1, it says, The law came through Moses. Truth and grace came through Jesus Christ. There was mer- Before Jesus, there was mercy. God forgave people. When they did something bad, they offered a sacrifice and God forgave them. But grace, which came from Jesus Christ, which begins with the coming of the Lord, is much bigger than mercy. It is God at work in you and in me to accomplish what only He can accomplish beyond our natural ability. That's the way I like to think about it. And it is a gift from God. God gives grace to the humble. When you're going through a difficult time, you know what you need? You need the grace to make it through. And God is going to give that grace to who? To those who humble themselves. In Romans 6, it says, For sin will not have mastery over you, because you're not under the law, but under grace. So if you're struggling with anger, you're struggling with sin, do you know what you need? You need grace. If you're struggling with lust, you know what you need? You need the grace to overcome it. And that grace is given to who? To the humble. To those who come to God and to say, God, I'm weak. I can't make it through this. There's no way I'm going to survive these temptations. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive this loneliness. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive this financial crisis. You humble yourself. God says, yeah, that's the person I'm going to help there. And he sends grace your way. It is those who are self-sufficient who thinks, I got this. To those people, God says, okay, good luck. Let's see how you do. And when you are, get tired of doing it your own way and in your own strength, come back and I'll give you grace. Sometimes it takes people years to get there. God sends all kinds of circumstances like I was saying in the, in, the, in the first service, they are cabeza dura. They're hard-headed. They, God sends one circumstance after another. He uses a boss at work. He uses a, uh, a, a difficult family member. He uses all kinds of to try to get us to come to that point where we say, God, I just need your grace. I'm not going to be able to make it. Let's do this thing your way. So here's what he said. Therefore, humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, under God's mighty hand, 
that he may lift you up in due time. You see, when you humble yourself, not only you get grace, but there's a promise. God will lift you up. Not that he might. He will lift you up in due time. It may not be right now. It may not be when you need, but it is coming. Those who humble themselves, submit. When it says there, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, the way I understand that, it is, I accept the circumstances that God chooses to put in my life and in order to refine my character. And those who do that, God will most definitely lift you up in due due time. Very important in the kind of times in which we're living. And here is the other advice. Here's the other advice here. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So this is not only a time of temptation. It's not only a time of rampant deception. But it's also a time of great anxiety. It's a time when people are in need. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people have lost family members. Some people have lost friends. And the Bible says here, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God is a father. And he's not like earthly father. You may have been here. You may have had a bad father. God is a perfection of a father. He's the perfection of a father. And a father not only disciplines children, but he cares for their needs. And the Bible tells us we are God's. If you're here, you've given your life to the Lord. You are God's child. You're a child of God. Now, there are people here who are parents. You have children. Okay? Um, we have children in our church. Let's say Elia, whose, whose parents are, are, are here, and whose family is here. So let's say, um, let's say you see her get up in the morning and she's looking worried. You ask her, what's the matter? She's like, I don't know if where food is going to come from today. You'll be like, wait, don't you have parents? Yeah, I have them, but who knows what they're going to do today. Can you imagine that you'll be like, either you don't have parents or you have some very bad parents. No, they get up in the morning. You ask her, are you going to have breakfast today? Of course I will. Are you going to have lunch today? Of course I will. Are you going to have dinner today? Of course I will. Where's that going to come from? I don't know, but I know these two people here, my mom and dad, they're going to make sure it's there. In the same way, we trust God with all of our cares. We believe him. Sometimes I'm in my house and I'm, work, I'm working, and uh, I, work, work from, I work from home, and I, I, I look out uh, the, 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 the dine, through the, the dining room doors that go out to the, to, the, to the deck and onto the yard. And I see in my backyard there, there's birds. Uh, they're eating. They're on the ground. They're eating something. Now, I haven't been a good neighbor to those birds. I haven't put any food out there. And, but they're there eating every day. I'm like, where's the food coming from? You know, they're, they're, they're eating. And they look healthy. <laughs> And who's providing for those birds? Jesus tells us, he says, God feeds those birds. He gives them something to eat. God Almighty makes sure this bird, that one, that one gets enough. 
And if he cares like that for the birds, he will care for you. There has to be a confidence in your heart and in my heart that God cares for us. The reality is sometimes we do not trust him. I was reading um, a book by Chuck Smith, Harvest. In that book, he mentions that it tells the story how there's a time when he and his wife were in financial need and um, they didn't know where the money was going to come from. He, I think he had just lost his job because he traveled or something like that. And, um, and the money was due the next day or some, something like that. And then uh, the, a lady calls, calls him uh, uh, during the, the day. And he... He tells her, I'm going to send you, my husband and I are sending you some money. And he said he hung up the phone, went over to the kitchen, grabbed his wife and did a dance. He was rejoicing that God had provided. And he said that then he felt the Lord speak to him and say, why are you dancing? He said, well, because God, because, I mean, Somebody just said they're sending us money. God said, how do you know that money is going to come? Say, well, I know those, that couple. They're not going to tell me they're going to do something and they're not going to send it. Then the Lord told him, well, this morning, didn't you read in the Bible that I care for your needs? I didn't see any dancing when you read that. I didn't see any dancing you're trusting the words of that couple more than you're trusting the word that I gave you. You see, that's why unbelief is so bad. It tells God, I can't rely on you. You're, you're not reliable. It's God says, I'll care for anybody. You're like, yeah, he said that, but I don't know if he's going to do it. Gives God a bad name. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And uh, it's a terrible testimony when Christians walk around depressed and you ask them why you did, and they say, come on, give me a break. I, cut me some slack. I've got a lot going on in my life. I've told this story uh, several times in, in, uh, in, our, in our church and some of you may never have I've heard me share this, but I remember when I was still a student, an undergrad, and it was a Wednesday night, and uh, there are a lot of homeworks due the next day on Thursday and on Friday, and um, a lot of people procrastinate, and uh, so I was going that evening to the student center. There was a big computer, uh, the big computer lab on the top floor of the student center uh, where a lot of people will go and print their homeworks. It's less used now. But I, I, end, I just learned the new hymn. So I, I went there also to go upstairs, print my homeworks, which I probably procrastinated as well. I'm sorry, uh, you know, I'm not so proud to say. And I, you know, but I had just learned the new hymn. So I entered the elevator to go up, and there are a lot of people in the elevator with me, other students, lots of them not looking very happy. And, and I didn't realize it, but I was humming a song, the song that I just learned. 
And when we got off on, this, on the fifth floor, this, I remember this, this Asian girl turned around to me and said, you sound very happy for a Wednesday night. And I said to her, um, well, it's because Jesus carries my burdens and he'll carry yours too if you let him. She said to me, well, you have no idea. I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning. I thought I woke up at 5 a.m. She said, it has nothing to do with you. It's like, you have burden, I have burdens. It's just a matter of who carries them for you. Carry your burdens if you let him. The faith is not denying the reality. We have problems, we have needs, and sometimes we have problems we don't know how, where the solution will come from. But there has to be in the heart of a child of God a confidence that the God who cares for the birds out there, he knows my name, he knows where I live, he knows how much money is in my bank account, he knows when that balance is going down, meet my needs. If I'm putting my trust in him, It. Cast meaning you take it from you and you give it to him. You do that in prayer. Okay. The last thing here, uh, we've talked about being watchful over, over temptations, deception, and being watched and, and making sure we trust God for our needs. And here's the, the last part here. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So, one thing that you have to be aware of during this season in which we live is that there is a devil. If there is a, there is a living God and there is a living devil as well, there is an enemy who is out and his goal is to destroy you. And the image given here is of a lion who is prowling. So you may have seen videos of uh, lions in parks in Africa or elsewhere. When those lions are there and they're prowling, and here is a pack of zebras or a pack of antelopes or, uh, of other, or another pack of animal, that lion is prowling around. He's not looking for an animal to adopt. Okay? He's not looking for a pet. He has one goal. He's going to grab one of those animals to kill it and eat it. And so we are at war whether you know it or not. There is an enemy who is coming against you, against your soul. And his goal is to destroy you. Now let me, let me say this. When the devil comes against you, what's his goal? What is he trying to accomplish? Is he trying to steal your money? Does the devil use money? No, he does not. He does not shop. He does not care for your house, for your car. He has one goal. To separate you from God. Either keep you from becoming a Christian, or if you become a Christian, his goal is to make you as weak and as fruitless and ineffective a Christian as he can possibly make you. That's his goal. His goal is to cause you to, to lose 
your, your intimacy with God to cause you to fall into sin. His goal is to, make you make, to, to cause you, to prompt you to make very silly decisions that you regret later. And it's a war. Sometimes people say, well, you know, look, I, I, it's, I'm having a hard time. It seems like, you know, the devil is fighting against me. Well, of course, it's a war. Can you imagine a soldier at war saying, I can't believe they're shooting. There's all these enemies. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a war. And we're in a fierce battle. And we have to be aware of that. And during this time, there is no question about it. The devil has been at work against Christian. Just the way people are arguing over things that don't matter. Over masks. And just the way the arguments are, uh, just the way people are fighting over this stuff. Political, political factions. You can tell it's the devil behind it. People have forgot forgetting the cross and getting into battles that aren't theirs to fight. It's the devil simply trying to, to, simply trying to deceive, to get you away from what is useful and cause you to major on something that will not matter in eternity. And here we have a, the picture of a predator and I'm going to give us two advice from this. Every predator, this is what every predator does. When they want to attack and kill a prey, what would they do? When a lion tries to go out and attack a pack of animals, you watch those videos, you'll notice they never go just against any kind of animal. They go after the one that lags behind. The one who becomes isolated. The lion is stronger. But when that, when that animal is together with the pack, the lion has no chance. If that pack of zebras start marching towards those lions, they'll run away. Because they've got no chance against the whole group. Now the body of Christ is like that. There is strength that you have from being connected with other believers. One of the things the devil will try to do is separate you from people. Cause you to be in your own corner. You get weak and it's easier for him to trap you and destroy you that way. And that's part of what makes this time difficult. I know there was a season where we couldn't meet. Church like this couldn't happen and it's still limited right now. But you ought to go out of your way, so to speak, to find fellowship with people. Don't be alone. It is not good for you. Get together with someone. Call somebody. Tell them I need prayer. Tell them I, 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 I'm, I am, uh, I'm struggling. And on the other hand, watch for your brothers and sisters. Make sure that no one is being left behind. Reach out to someone. Ask them, how are you doing? We have a responsibility towards each other. To make sure that no one falls behind. Think about someone that you haven't seen in a long time. You don't know how they're doing. The Lord will lead you. Reach out to them. Say, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? 
Every now and then someone, some, and some people even here, would send me a text saying, hey brother, I love you. I care for you. Eldon sent me one of those uh, last week. And I'm grateful to receive that. Everybody needs something like that. So let's make sure we remain together. And the other thing is that the enemy will try to make you believe you're on your own. Nobody understands your suffering. Nobody knows what you're going through. You know, and, and this hopelessness sets into you. But here's what uh, Peter says. Stand firm in your faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Are you going through a trial? Are you going through a difficult time? There is another Christian, possibly one sitting here, who's going through the same thing and perhaps worse. Try to remember that you're not alone in the battle. This trial that has come to you is not unique to you. And Peter says this, And the God of all grace, if we take these advices, the God of all grace, who called you to, be, to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The Lord has power. He's able to make us strong through any suffering. There is no Christians who need to fall away. Uh, there's no one who needs to be overcome because of this season that we're going through. God is powerful and he is able to keep us. He's able to strengthen us. And I like that word too, he's able to restore us. Now if you're sitting here and you're like, I wish I heard this five months ago. It's okay. God is able to restore. Restore means what? Someone fell and you restore them. Maybe you haven't handled the last several months well. Maybe you've fallen prey to one of these things that we talked about. But God is able to restore you because he is the God of all grace. He's able to keep you steadfast, unshakable, no matter what happens. Praise the Lord. We're going to end here. I'm just going to pray for us. And Pastor Steve is going to come to conclude. Father, God, I just ask for myself and for my brothers and sisters here and those watching. And anybody who may listen to this later, God. Father, make us victorious through this season. Give everybody the strength, God, to make it. And not just to barely make it but to be an overcomer, more than a conqueror through this season. Father, let there be joy among your people, a confidence that you are our Father, you are watching over us. Bless us with humility. Help us to love one another, to care for one another, to look out for each other during this time. Father, and as you were saying, as you were showing to us before this whole season began, that you are going to make us stronger. We're going to come out of this stronger than when we came in. Father, I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen.